Welcome to Real Life Real Equity Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Hey, welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth or cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. Welcome to the show. everyone welcome back to another episode of real life real equity we are very excited about our guest today because our guest is more than just a guest but has become a good friend of ours he is the founder of the residential assisted living academy the ral academy is the premier source for education in owning operating and investing in residential assisted living and senior housing He has trained thousands of people from across the country on how to turn single-family homes into cash flow machines. RAL Academy's model is Do Good and Do Well. He has written four books and hosted three radio shows and has spoken in five countries and over 50 cities in the last year alone. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm round of applause to our guest today, Mr. Gene Garino. Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your background. We know about the Residential Assisted Living Academy, and anybody who's listened to anything you've done knows you are the Residential Assisted Living Expert. Talk to us a little bit about before that part of your life. Uh, I would even venture to say going back into your 20s when you and your brother started in the commercial space. Hmm. Yeah. It was even earlier than that. You know, when I first got started, uh, I have to give my mother a lot of credit. She had us out doing things entrepreneurially when we were little, little kids. And I think a lot of that was just to get us out of the house, frankly, but it worked. (laughs) Everything from selling pumpkins to uh, apples to sugar cubes to anything to get us out of the house. And it really did kind of set the tone for entrepreneurship, and I didn't even really know it. But uh, I was a professional musician as a teenager, and my first official business, we had a music school and a small recording studio and a small record label. And I was uh, 18 years old at the time, but when I was 16, I started giving drum lessons. By the time we were 18, we were renting a building from somebody. We had 300 music students, the recording studio, the whole bit. And we were were full-fledged in business. Yeah. And my father was actually a college professor, and my mother uh, went to college, and she was a nurse and taught nursing. So education was important to them. But I was the first, uh, maybe the second out of our seven kids who didn't decide to go to college, so I just had a different a different whole path. When it came time for that, that move, it's so interesting because I have my own kids. They're, they're thinking about what do I want to do and, and what am I going to be and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm already doing what I want to do. Playing right. music, I've got all these things going. Why should I go to college for it? So I did. I tried it. I went to one semester, two classes, and didn't like it. <laughs> I said, I'm already doing it. So that was the, kind of the beginning of entrepreneurship. Wow. Wow. That's really cool, though. I mean, you know, so talk to us about, you know, some of the some of the experiences you've had. You've shared with me a few stories of getting into the commercial space, getting into, uh, hey, you were really young when you bought your first building, right? Yeah, 18. 18. 18. Wow. You know, so 
Yeah, some of our first experiences, it's so funny because, you know, as we were prepping for the call here, I was asking, you know, what to focus on, but, you know, immediately came to mind lessons that you learn, and you only learn them by doing. So when I was 16, my brother was 18, we had a landlord who was terrible. You know, he would pick up the rent on Friday night and be knocking on the door on Monday saying, where's the rent? Well, we already paid you. Well, where's the receipt? You didn't give us one. You never give us one. Well, then pay the rent. So, I mean, we're kids. We're trying to figure it out, and... uh, But then we were also being very creative, and I think that's really what entrepreneurship is. You see a problem, and you create a solution. So in our case, our problem was I was too young to play out in clubs and bars where they're serving alcohol, so we had to create our own place. So we created a coffee house because we couldn't sell liquor, and uh, we would hire entertainment, so we would play in between. So the entertainment would play, then we'd do a set. They'd do a set, we'd do a set. And so we created the solution to the problem, and I think that's what entrepreneurship really is. Yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, the, very, the solution very to the problem is what I had to say. <laughs> so how do you transition from musician to, you know, real estate? Because that's a, two different dynamics. It is, yeah. As a musician, it was all about just, you know, getting a gig and playing the gig and having a place to set up your equipment and all that. But as as the transition really came from when we were teaching music in other people's facilities, and we said, hey, we can do this on our own. We just need our own building. So that's where we leased out a house that we lived upstairs and had the music school downstairs. And then we eventually, after two years of being the, the tenants, we said, this guy is terrible. The house is worse. We've got to buy our own building. And that's where it literally walked out the front of the porch and looked up the street. Two doors away was a for sale sign. So I walked uh-huh. up there, pulled the for sale sign out, brought it back home, dialed the phone, and that was the end <laughs> of our real estate career. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because you picked up the whole sign and and called the number. So you didn't just write down the phone number. You pick up the whole sign. <laughs> we need that one. That's our place. Yeah, this is well before cell phones, right? The first, you know, my first cell phone was called the brick. So yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, we grabbed the whole sign out of the yard, brought it home on our rotary dial phone, and uh, dialed the phone number. And we literally brought the sign back to the realtor's office, and he kind of chewed us out. What are you doing? Well, we don't know what to do. It's a, it's a sign. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay, so fast forward a little bit. Now you are in the residential assisted living space all these years later. Talk to us a little bit how you got into that and any significant event in between. Yeah, you know, there's there's so much because keep in mind from 18 until, let's call it uh Thirty-five. when I first heard about assisted living, which was, you know, that's 20 years ago. When I first heard about what assisted living is, it was a real estate play, but it's a business play. And it's this, you know, these baby boomers are here, they're aging. It was all these things kind of coming together. And I remember distinctly being at, at an event, hundreds of people in the room, a guy in the front talking about all kinds of ways to make money in real estate. And I'd already done fix and flip and rental units and you know, fourplexes and even some uh, commercial, but he's talking about this assisted living and doing it in a home, not in a big building. And it's just like, it just dawned on me. It's like, that's brilliant. That's great. So I remember distinctly going up and saying, tell me more. And he said, well, I can't. Well, why not? Well, I don't do it. I'm just telling you, you should do it. And I was <laughs> disappointed, you know, the guru from the front who's telling me what to do and not doing it themselves. But then, wow. uh, 
that's when I first heard about it, but it really didn't become real until mom needed help. When my own mother needed that help, I realized, hey, I'm not the only one who's looking for this solution. There's lots of people. And that was really the transition for me. So it was 20 plus years ago hearing about it, but it was about 10 years ago, eight years ago when my mom needed help. That's when it became very real. Uh, so the first home we got was six and a half years ago, bought an existing house with the business already inside it, and that's how I learned it. Not recommending that to a lot of people, but there was no class, no school, no place to go to get that. We just had to kind of figure it out on our own. That can be painful and expensive itself. Wow. And so you hit on something that I just want to bring light to. You said, you know, the guy at the front of the room was telling you something you should do, but he doesn't do himself. And we hit on that in a previous episode, episode 49, where we talked about fake gurus Mm -hmm. and how there's so many, there's such a large amount of people who are telling you exactly what you should do, but aren't practicing themselves. So for you, you're a doer. You eat your own cooking. You live the life that you're actually teaching others to live. So, and it was found out of a need, you know, a desire to help your mom. And so it's not just about the money. It's not, but the money's really good. I mean, let's say <laughs> you, we can all see opportunity out there, but when you think about, okay, what would it take to, to fix the problem and can I make money or am I going to lose money? Is this a charity? So yeah. if you're going to focus on a problem, there's only so many problems we can fix. Find something that you're passionate about. Find something that you really can do something with. And if you can monetize it, that's really the holy grail. That's what we're all looking for. Yeah. I was going to say, just to talk to that a little bit, the, the idea of the people in the front of the room, even at that point, I had already been investing. People were asking me to teach them how to do things. And I'm like, hey, if I'm doing it, I can certainly teach you. I'm kind of a teacher by nature. But if somebody is lear- is showing you something that they did 20 years prior, the world changes way too fast. I mean, it's going faster all the right. time. Even if it's somebody who knows what they were doing when they did it 20 years ago, that's one thing. You need somebody who's current, but also it's really great when you have somebody who does have that experience from 20 years ago and the current, because now they can, they've been through some cycles. I think right now there's a lot of people I see out there that are saying, hey, I'll show you how to do X, and it's like they just started it last year. It's like, well, that's great in this economy. That's working today. But go through a few cycles and then tell me what you should be doing. Different yeah, stories. Absolutely. So provide us a story that can inspire the audience. For example, like a time where you felt like giving up. It sounds like you just had it all together, you know, up until this point. But there's always some type of story that our audience can relate to. You know, the the first one that jumps to my mind is... Well, I'll give you two come to my mind. One is there was a building that we bought, and it was a it was a building that most people would have just knocked it down and started over. But we said, no, we're going to renovate this thing. And it was a church, and at one point it was a one-room schoolhouse. At one point it was the library. So this thing was 100 years old, and it was in many different forms. So now we're going to convert it into our music school. So it's got a main floor, and but we said hey, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the basement and we're going to we're going to make the basement bigger and deeper. So we're there, we're renovating. And when, you, when you're in a basement, we had never done a project this big before. We bought the property for $27,777.77. Yes, there's a story behind that. And we put about $90,000 of renovation into it. So, and this was long time ago, 30 plus years ago. So this building, the foundation underneath needed to be rebuilt and dig down and pin the foundation, all new stuff to me. So we're months into this project, more money than we ever imagined we would spend on it. And one day 
there wasn't a door on it. There was a piece of plywood. You open up, you know, pry off the plywood and walk in. It's like, oh, somebody must have left the lights on. And it wasn't the lights. What had happened was one side of the building, the entire foundation, it caved in overnight. So oh, this my huge, Yeah, this big, huge church building is now, the foundation on a quarter of it is gone. It's And the daylight's pouring in. And we're just, like, oh, wow. ready to give up. My brother Jim and I were both, like, almost in tears. It's like, what else could possibly go wrong? You know, we don't have a budget for rebuilding the foundation. So there was one where we... I literally almost gave up, but thank goodness we had each other to rely on to push each other through. Otherwise, we easily could have given up. But flash forward, we had that building, we fixed it up, did a lot of great work in it there, had the music school, beautiful recording studio, everything was there. Then we hired a business consultant, and he came in, and this we paid him $50 an hour, which at the time was kind of equivalent to $300 an hour today, a lot hours and hours with him consulting, like, here's what you can do to grow your business. And at the end of it, my brother Jim and I just looked at each other and said, do you want to do that? And I said, not really. Because uh, <laughs> when we got into it, it was to have our own recording studio that we can record our own stuff with. It was to have our own place. But at the farther along the business went, the more we realized this is not our dream. This is not what we really wanted. So he was showing us how to triple the business in its current location and format, triple it. And here's exactly how to do it. And we literally looked at each other and said, we don't want to do it. And we closed the business within like six months. We had closed the business and sold the building because we realized that wasn't our vision. That wasn't our passion. We were way off track. And there's only one way. You just got to stop the train, get off the track, and move a different direction. Wow. That's really good. Okay, so a couple of things you hit on. One, I want to hear the story about the $27,777 offer. And, and then and then I want to know how you got out of that foundation problem. Like, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the foundation first. You know, we had a guy that we were working with, and, and he knew what to do, thank goodness. But basically, you, you literally had to, we had to jack up the building, make make sure that things were secure and not going to fall in overnight. And take out all of the bad foundation and just and rebuild it and then pin, which means you're, whatever foundation is there, you're digging underneath that foundation and pouring more foundation. And that's called pinning the foundation. So it was basically just a couple of weeks and thousands and thousands of dollars, and uh, we made it through. It's just like any, any challenge you have in life, and you guys know yourself very well. You just put your nose down and you just keep going. So that was pinning wow. the foundation. The the building, the twenty seven 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 and seventy seven cents. We the building we were renting, we bought the house two doors up, and then this building was another two doors up. It was right on the corner. And we looked at that and said, This thing is just sitting here deteriorating, nothing's happening. So we researched who owned it. It was the school local school uh, district and system. Went to them and said, What are you doing with it? We'd like to buy it. They voted and said, Yes, we should sell it. And we're like, That's awesome. Then they said, So now we have to put it on the annual ballot and let everybody know that we're going to be selling it. It's like, oh, no, don't do that. We just want to go. <laughs> so now it's an open bidding situation. So we had, uh, it was noon of that day, and we had two envelopes in our hand. One was $100, and the other one was $27,777.77, because seven is the Lord's number in the Bible. And, but we didn't want to pay 77000 so it was 27 <laughs> So we had the two envelopes, and we were just waiting outside the door. Nobody had come to put a bid in. So we're like, we're ready to bring in the envelope with a $100 bid and just get the property for nothing. And then one minute before noon, one other guy comes in. And we, we 
at that time, he was kind of known as the local developer and so on. And so he walked in and put down his offer. So we're like, okay, we have to do the 27777. And we did. And so the open, the envelopes were open, not in front of us, of course. We had to wait and chew our nails for a while. But uh, the envelopes were opened, and our bid was 27777. His bid was 25000 even. So wow. that's how we got the bid. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. So yeah. here you are. Now you're doing residential assisted living. How do you go mm-hmm. from, you know, actively doing it to teaching it? Because that has to be a transition also. It was so natural because as soon as I did it, I'm, like I said, I'm a teacher by nature. So people would ask me and say, well, how are you doing this? And will you teach me how? And I'm like, yes, I will. So the very first time I remember I, we set up a class and it was seven people. So seven people listening to me tell about my experience and what I did. So it was very organic, very natural. And then a few months later, we said, let's do it again. And we had like 12 people. And on it went, and here we are six years later, and now we have eight classes a year with 80 people, 100 people. Uh, so it's very organic, very natural, and it's a hot topic. This is something that everybody understands intuitively is needed. Nobody else is yeah. teaching about it nationwide. We're good at doing it. And a real blessing for us, too, is now the whole family is involved, not just my wife, but three of my four kids and my son-in-law, daughter-in-law, future son-in-law, all are a part of the business, uh, two brothers with about 15 other people. And we've launched wow. three other companies in this same niche of assisted living since then. So an investment company, we're working on an operations company, we have a media company. So it's just expanding and growing as the need grows. I love it. And and one of the things that I've seen you do, because we have kids, and so, you know, we're always looking at people who have kids that are much older than our kids and what to look forward to and, and kind of what to brace ourselves for. But you do something that I thought was very interesting that I'm going to adopt. It's called Force Family Fun. So, you know, obviously that's not our, our podcast topic, but I love the idea. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, that's our, you know how it is when you have kids, sometimes they don't want to do what mom and dad want to do. So we we uh, nicknamed that Forced Fam- FFF, Forced Family Fun, where you have to show up and you have to participate. So between Christmas and New Year's, if we go someplace on a, on a family vacation, that's one thing. But if not, we will stay at home. And in between Christmas and New Year's, everybody picks a day and an event. So it might be yoga or it might be axe throwing or it might be board games, and everybody's got to be there, and we're forced to have fun as a family. So FFF is our forced family fun. It's a great way to keep the family together and playing together. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about what you would tell your younger self. One of the things that we have gotten into is, is talking to our younger self. I mean, what would you tell yourself, the person you were 10 to 20 years ago? So give us some advice you would maybe tell yourself. Just 10 now, 20 years ago? Okay. The concept of, you know, I think really importantly, we, we think of ourselves, human beings, I think that the world revolves around us and everybody's looking at us and thinking about us and what we do and what we say. No, they ain't. They're, they're really not concerned with us. So be yourself. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy, what makes it real for you. Because people, it, it's think about dancing. You can say, oh, my goodness, I can't get out there and dance because everybody's going to be looking at me. Well, so what? What they're going to be thinking is, I wish I did that. You know, I wish I was yeah. out there. So don't worry about what other people think. And then the, the other thing, now flash forward to... Because that's like, a, uh, everybody should learn that, but especially young, young, young. 
the younger you learn that, the better. Just be yourself and do your thing. But the other part is, you know, think bigger. Don't don't think small. I think a lot of us, I have to give a lot of credit to people like the real estate guys, just helping me think bigger, helping me think about how much more you can do. I think, I have to think say for myself, I think about my kids, my family, my world, and say, well, I've got enough, I've got, I'm fine, and so on. But how much bigger can we go? How much, how much more can we accomplish? So if you think bigger, if that's what you want, that's great. And then you got to check yourself. Why are you doing it? Is it for the money? Is it for the fame? Is it for, I can use that money to help other people? That's your own deal. But the point is, you can go as big as you want. You can create something that's never been done before and go worldwide, or you can just, you know, have one single-family rental that makes $200 a month, and that's it. So wow. go big. Nice. So don't worry about what other people think, and then think bigger. Go big. How much bigger can you can you be, and then what is the motive behind that? Very good. Very yeah. Good I really like that. And so when it comes to entrepreneurship, uh, what's your reality? Talk about the difficulties, the not-so-glamorous, sometimes the boring parts of <laughs> entrepreneurship. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I never really think about it because I've never been on the other side. I've never had a 9-to-5 job. I've never had a, a boss that I have to report to. So it's I've never had that side. But any time I even think about that, like getting on the highway and thinking I'd have to drive from point A to point B to get there on time, it's like, ah. Oh, that that just just repels. So, mm. being an entrepreneur, it's not glamorous or, or not glamorous. I think the the way to think about it for me anyway is most people think TGIF. Thank God it's Friday, and I think completely different. It's like I can't believe it's Friday already. I got yeah. so many things I want to do, and it's already Friday. So yeah. it's a it's a mindset. Yeah, wow, that's really good. It's, I mean, that's really, really good on-point advice and a way to think about it. So we're going to do a little transition here because we want to talk about assisted living. We want to talk about the Residential Assisted Living Academy. We want to talk about RAL NATCON that's coming up here soon. Talk to us a little bit about assisted living. The concept, I'm one of your students. I've been through the class. I could tell it, but, you know, it's not, I'm not going to do it justice, obviously. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate that, and, and we love to have people come to the class who really want to learn this topic for the right reason. So, you know, you may not have known this even, Justin, but before we let anybody in the class, we're, we're always trying to figure out who are they, what's their motivation. Because if somebody's just about money, then, nah, that, then I'm not as interested in. But if somebody has heart, they want to help, they want good things for other people, and they want to make money, great. That's the perfect student. So... You know, what we do is pretty simple. We take a single-family home and convert it into the assisted living. The reason why we're doing it is because there's such a massive need for it. There are literally 77 million baby boomers, and they're not in assisted living, but 10 years from now is when they're going to start. And it's like, a, it's like a silver tsunami, a spike on a chart whenever you see it. There are so many of them coming. So this business is good right now. That's why you're seeing big facilities being put up because there's a need right now. But the need grows exponentially 10 years from now, and then it's about a 20-year run. Uh, and then behind that, you know, you've got the next generations that are even bigger. So it's just this huge spike of population that's coming, that's aging, that needs this help and assistance. Right now in our current society, there is uh, ways for people to get that help that they need through the government, but it's 
they don't provide a lot. So maybe a few thousand dollars a month that the government will pay to take care of somebody's long-term care, their assisted living if they need it. So we focus on private pay. So in private pay, it's whatever the individual can pay, is willing to pay, and their family. The family loves them and wants to take care of mom and dad as well. So, you know, these people are paying four, five, six thousand a month to stay in this home, and there might be ten of those seniors in that home. So the gross income you produce is tremendous. The jobs that you provide for caregivers and managers is a blessing as well. The we know that the residents are getting great care, great health, great home, great environment. Your home is beautiful. It's really is a beautiful home. Well done, just beautiful, everything you've done. So to know to have the pride of knowing you're providing that kind of great service is what we call do good. So our motto is do good and do well. To do well is make a lot of money. To do good is doing good for the community and those around you. So it's really combining all those things together, and we do it ourselves. I invest in these homes around the country, and then we also teach people how to. So with our academy, the REL Academy, teaching others how to do that. And you mentioned the National Convention, which we're so excited about. We have over 400 people registered to come for this year's event. We're looking for 600 people. Uh, We've got about 45 different companies that are displaying their products and services that we've hand-selected because these are things that we all need in these homes. Uh, The keynote speakers, Dr. Bill Thomas from Eden Alternatives and the Greenhouse Project, Uh, he's going to be a keynote speaker. Harry Stent, the economist who is demographic genius and kind of calling trends and telling you exactly what's coming and what to do about it. He's going to be a keynote speaker, and we just confirmed Jonathan Goldsmith is going to be back, the most interesting man in the world, uh, because he loved it so last year. Yeah, he's coming back again this year. We're going to do cigars, and I'm going to film an episode of Cigars with Gene, my new new podcast. So we're going to do that, and uh, it's just going to be off the chart. It'll be great. Wow. Wow. Okay, so that's 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 awesome. You have done something really amazing with the REL Academy, and then you talked about it kind of briefly, but just kind of to bring it back up, you talked about answering the problems that the market is facing, whether that be the market being your students, the market that the the citizens as a whole are facing, but you talked about answering those challenges. Talk about the evolution of the REL Academy, because I know it's different from what even when I went through, and to me... I've watched you create solutions even for your students that weren't available all those years ago because you're actually listening to the market. You talked a lot about that. Yeah, I think as entrepreneurs, that's one of the biggest skills you can get is to listen to what the market is telling you and the need that is there. I I watch Shark Tank regularly and repeats and so on. I think it's a college course in entrepreneurship. But so many times people create something that they think is cool. They think is good. They think everybody wants. And the market says, no, we really don't need a blanket with a, you know, a a hole in it for something. So in this case, the idea of the, yeah, the academy, it started with just people saying, I want to learn. And I had to figure out how to teach them that topic. So with seven people, with 12 people, with 15 people, for the first couple of years, I'm figuring out what do they need, what are they asking for, how can I help them better. So the training itself has evolved tremendously, and it wasn't until about three years ago in the training that I had other people come and help. Until then, it was just me. It was Gene doing everything, answering the phone, driving the van, doing the class, saying goodnight, pulling out your slippers, whatever else you needed. I'm there for you. But starting yeah, starting three years ago, now we have a whole team. So I'm so happy that we have students that are now in the business successfully as part of our support staff. Uh, so it's just 
fantastic, and you know a lot of them from Carlo Lee and Lowe and Sean and, and all these yeah. different people, Jamie. Uh, just very cool people who are doing the thing, and then they're yeah. teaching others, here's my experience and how to do it. So listening yeah. to them, teaching, having a teacher's heart, and just wanting them to do better. And, and, and here's the other thing that I find very interesting. As, as somebody who provides education for people, we can offer support to somebody, but we can't make them take it. We can yeah. Yeah. give an idea suggestion, but I can't make them do it. So even though we have people that have all the support available to us, and I've done this to you guys, all the support available to us, call us anytime, as many times as you want. We're here for you. Some people we don't hear from at all, and others call us six times a day. And I love it. We love it when they call. I mean, it, it's, it's a joy to us to answer those questions and help them get through the issue, through the problem, on to the next step, uh, because that's what we're here for. So we love helping people. Wow, absolutely. And you have you have been a major influence on a lot of people, even some big names. I know the story about you and Robert Kiyosaki, him you met on The Real Estate Guy, Summit to See. You mentioned that. Jimmy Buffett from Margaritaville has, has been influenced by you. I mean, the most interesting man in the world. Didn't you meet him uh, when you were speaking at Harvard? Yeah, at Harvard. Uh, I was speaking there, and it wasn't just me. It was a group of entrepreneurs, but he was there, and uh, that's when I first met him, absolutely. And we've, we've become friends, actually. About a month ago, we were up in Saratoga Springs in New York, went to the horse races. Uh, he and he and myself and Mona and his wife, Barbara, and, and that was just great hanging out with him there. So it would be great to see wow. him again here in Phoenix. Wow. So talk to us a little bit about the experience of, of uh, having influenced somebody that has influenced millions. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki walked up to you and asked you for your advice. Talk about that moment. Well, you know, it's, I have no idea what the, what the effect was or, and, and this is reality. The idea of somebody listen and say, yeah, okay. I, I don't agree or are not, I'm not sure, but keep in mind, he's at a whole nother level. He's not doing yeah. residential. He's doing these bigger box commercial. So I'm sure he took what he could from what I had to share and and used that or rejected it based on, well, what you're doing is different than what we're doing. Either way is fine. I have no idea what influence it was other than that it was probably another confirmation that he's on the right track, that senior housing is viable and the place to be. Yeah. So you're doing a new podcast, Cigars with Jane. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, that's as much my my excuse to smoke cigars and and maybe get some free samples as anything. But no, it's it's so interesting. I probably took up cigar smoking about five years ago or so, and it was just it's a great way to relax and it's a great way to have a great conversation where there's really no agenda. And at some point, it was just you know you you two are doing a podcast and you know it's an effort people who are listening they don't understand the effort that it is but it is yeah. and so you got to do something you love and you enjoy and my thought is well I like a good cigar I like to meet people and have great conversations so why don't we just turn on a camera and we'll videotape that and see what happens so we've filmed a few of them so far and Jonathan is coming out for the national convention so I'm going to we're going to record that one officially and that'll be our initial launch episode and the others that I've already recorded, those will be the, the next ones. So nice. it's just hanging out, smoking a cigar, having a great conversation. But that brings up something that I, I really want to, to make light of. We did a, a statistics study a couple of weeks ago, and we read that there are nearly 2,000 podcasts that come out every single week. And Wow. Yeah. 
and there's, I think they said, a half a million podcasts on the market right now. Now, that's a staggering statistic, but the truth of the matter is it really doesn't matter because as long as you're doing a podcast based off of something you love, that's that's what's important. And like you said, you were found a way to do something you love, hang out and with really cool people and have great conversations. And that's was, you know, the work behind the, you know, going to justify the work it takes to get a podcast off the ground. And the same thing with Real Life Real Equity. We came to the conclusion that all of this has to do with what is it that we're going through? And what is it that we have been through that other people need to know about and that we can share in an honest and transparent way and that other people can share in an honest and transparent way. And it'd be for us as much as it is for somebody else. So Absolutely. And, and so a little encouragement for anybody who's listening right now, share this podcast with three people. You know, just send them a link, share it with them, because that's what it takes is somebody hearing you and saying, hey, I like these guys and I, I want to listen to more of what they have to say. And maybe it was a guest, but maybe it was just they love the sound of your voice. You know, they love that it's a couple. So share it with your friends, those who are listening. Three people, that's our challenge. I appreciate that. Thank you. So the RAL NatCon, give us some information about that and then anything that you want to share with our audience as as we uh, kind of wrap this up. Sure. You know, anybody who's thinking about getting into this industry, I'm sure they have tons of questions. So I'm going to give you a couple of resources and even a a discount code for the upcoming convention. Love to have you come out. Uh, By the way, the convention is for anybody. So whether you're an owner, an operator, an investor, whether you're just curious, but if you want to get together with hundreds of people from across the country that own and operate these homes and ask them questions, not just for me, but ask them, that's a great opportunity. The keynote speakers are be fun. You know that we always have a party every time we get together, so that's fun. We have about 20-plus breakout sessions, so that's that's all good stuff. So to learn more about the national convention, it's R-A-L-N-A-T-C-O-N. Dot com. So RALNATCON.com. If you decide you do want to enroll and check it out, you'll see all kinds of information there, the schedule and the registration. I'll give you a registration code. It'll, it'll save you $100 on the registration, RNC19. So capital R, capital N, capital C, the number 19, it'll be a $100 discount on that. And if you just want to learn more about this industry and if you want a copy of my, of my book, Happy to give you an electronic copy for free, a webinar, or just call us and ask questions. Go to RAL101.com, RAL101.com. All right, there you have it, RALNATCON.com. That's R-A-L-N-A-T-C-O-N.com. If you want to get $100 off, RNC19 is the code to use. It's capital R-N-T, as in Charlie, 19, for your $100 discount. And if you want to learn more about the... Uh, residential assisted living model get free books resources ral101.com i've been through the course i can validate vouch for and and know it's the real deal we are big on reality huge on reality and we disdain dislike loathe fake gurus out there and you're not one of them and i wouldn't even say you're a guru you're a practitioner so you know um, as uh stephen presswell says you practice the thing and then you just happen to be able to teach other people how to do it there you go i like that guru doesn't sound good but whatever it takes (laughs) (laughs) well you know you you, i mean i I really do believe that you know being a practitioner and and having the ability to teach is it's a difference any last nuggets for our audience we're almost we're closer to the end of the year now than we are to coming up on a new year what would be one last nugget that you would give to our entrepreneurs wow you know that brings up the concept of time time is the one thing that you can never spend twice 
you're better off if you invest time than spend time and certainly don't waste time. The older I get, the more I realize that time is going faster and it's fleeting and we just don't have that much of it left. So find something you're passionate about. Don't waste time on doing something you're not passionate about. I have a friend who I wanted to come out and play golf with me tomorrow and uh, we've had it on the books for a month. Here's the day I can come. Keep in mind, he's worked for the company for 20 plus years. He's probably 60 five years old or close to it. He should retire. But he said, I can't go because we got a new boss and it's not a good time for me to take the day off. And here's a guy with, I know he's got literally months of vacation time that he's never taken because he's wasting time working for somebody else, making their dream reality. Be an entrepreneur. That's your calling to do something to make your dreams a reality. Be passionate about what you do. Don't waste time. <laughs> no, man, that was, but that was good. No, that's don't, good. Don't waste time. Don't spend time. Invest time because time is the only thing you can't spend twice. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com. Or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.